Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Got the final stretch of the NBA season leading up to the playoffs. And to chime in on such things as the final stretch of the NBA season, particularly for our hometown team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, we go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's our good friend, Evan Damarell of the Locked on Cavs podcast. Evan, appreciate you giving us some time on Sunday, man. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Sunday to you. You as well. Um, I want to start with, uh, we can sort of reflect a little bit on last night's game, but as fans sort of debate and toss around what their expectations are for this team, particularly after making the trade for Donovan Mitchell back in early September, what is a successful season for the Cavs in your eyes at this point based on everything that we've seen? Well, just from the offset, I understand I mean, the expectations have shifted after getting Donovan Mitchell, but I think at the end of the day, when it comes to a lot of these core players, they don't have a ton of playoff experience sans Donovan Mitchell, so you want to get there first and figure out what you're made of depending on who you draw in the first round, but I think a successful season for this team is getting out of the first round, getting into the second round, and that means you're going to probably face one of Philadelphia, Boston, Milwaukee. If you can make that a competitive series, take it to maybe six or seven games, and if you win, awesome. You're playing with house money at that point when you get to the uh, conference finals. But I think a second-round exit is the realistic ceiling for this team, and I also think it's the floor right now. But there's also ways it could break through to the other side, but – and just in terms of deeming it successful, I mean, making the playoffs is just a huge check mark already to begin with. And I think just making it like saying, like, yeah, this is a successful year for Cleveland. It's just not making it to the second round of the Easter playoffs. I think that's fair. And I think that's mostly where fans' heads are at. The question I've kind of been pondering so far throughout the show, though, Evan, is that in order for the Cavs to maybe get into that tier with the Celtics, with the Bucks, with the Nuggets of the world, Uh, Obviously, the Suns, I think, could be in that conversation now with Kevin Durant added to the mix. Do you envision that at some point, because, listen, the cupboards are bare. They don't have a lot of talent assets. We know the draft picks that they pumped into the Donovan Mitchell trade. Do you envision that at some point they may end up actually having to trade somebody who's part of this core four of pieces that they have right now in order to either add depth to the roster or get maybe a wing player to play alongside an Evan Mobley in in the two smaller guards or whatever it might be. I just, I don't know. Like I look around and it's hard for teams to win with a guard being their uh, best player, a small undersized guard being their best player, unless that player is Steph Curry, like we see with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. 
And I just don't know if this iteration will last in terms of chasing championships or if they're going to have to move somebody at some point to sort of fill another need that then gets them over the hump. I think that's a fair conversation to have, but I think that's a conversation for down the line as well, just because, yeah, right now Donovan Mitchell is the best player for the Cavs. Maybe Darius Garland takes over the reins as the best guard as Garland enters his prime. Mitchell continues his prime that he's currently in, but I just think you need to keep all eyes on Evan Mobley and what he can be when he kind of hits his apex, just because offensively we're seeing a lot stronger and a lot more confidence from him in terms of his game. And then now it's just, can he add that three point shot to his repertoire? And if, if he can't, that's fine. It's just maybe the Cavs have to pivot a little bit. And we talked about this on locked on Cavs a couple, a couple days ago with Martin Rickman when we were just checking in around the all-star break, just like, how are the Cavs doing? Where are they going? All this other stuff. And we kind of floated the idea of if Evan Mobley's shot can't be a lethal thing and he bulks up and starts to learn how to play the, the five full time for Cleveland. Yeah, maybe you look at, like, moving Jared Allen's contract just because you need to make the money work a little bit more and make a more tangible upgrade. But I I just don't think this is a finished product for Cleveland. I think they have a lot of flaws that they need to fix this offseason that just currently exists on this team just when it comes to shooting and actual perimeter depth. I think it's becoming crystal clear that that's what they need going forward. But I I just want to say maybe it's the coward's response. It's a question for down the line, but I think it's one that's fair to think about. But more so, you keep your eye on like Evan Mobley's development, and if he kind of continues his trajectory he's on, he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be an all-defensive guy. He could be a guy who scores with multiple defensive player of the year awards at the end of the day. It's just the offensive game, like how high is it going to reach? And I mean, it's got a lot of potential already from what he does bring to the table in terms of just playmaking and scoring on the interior and at least showing a willingness to take that three-point shot. But if, again, if that becomes like a, a reliable part of his repertoire, that unlocks a lot of things for Cleveland just because that gives you a lot of that spacing. And I think of the late Jonathan Jarks, who's just saying, okay, Cleveland doesn't have a starting small forward right now, but then he's equipped saying that, yeah, they do. It's, it's Evan Mobley, and they could play Mobley at the three slash four or something like that. And Get really weird with it, but we'll also see what the free agency market bears, maybe what life is looking down the line then, too. Maybe Cleveland is able to cobble together some money financially to go get a guy who, in theory, provides you what you need and is comfortable being that fifth banana at the small forward spot in the starting lineup and also maybe off the bench as well. And you just roll from there. It's always such a dynamic situation. Nothing's ever really static. But I think it's a fair question to ask just because you're like, yeah. Man, this team could be special right now just because of Donovan Mitchell and like what Darius Garland continues to blossom into. But I think being patient and pragmatic has always been this front office's approach, and that didn't change even after getting Donovan Mitchell. And they're just continuously in an evaluation period until, yeah, maybe Evan Mobley is going to ask for the rookie max extension. Then they have to have the uncomfortable conversation of shifting money around on this roster at that point. But until then, you just kind of figure out what you have with a young team that hasn't done much up to this point in their respective NBA careers. Talking with Evan Tamarell on the hotline, you can follow him on Twitter at AmNotEvan. Was it you guys that did the poll of what's the most important skill that Mobley has to develop? It was you guys, right? Well, didn't Chris post that? Yeah. What was yeah, the? Was I'm, Chris, I'm curious. Chris. I'm curious what the final results were. I voted for the three-point shot. And I know you alluded to that in, in your answer there just moments ago. 
I'm curious what the final answer was and sort of the conversation that you guys had around that in terms of what skill he maybe needs to develop next or is that is the most important. So Chris branched that topic, I believe, after our conversation with Martin Rickage, because it is a fair question to ask, and I don't remember the final results of the poll off the top of my head. Chris read it on his personal Twitter feed, but um, we both came to a mutual agreement that if Evan Mobley just tightens up his handle a little bit more, he can do a lot of things with his Cavs team offensively that you see the Bucks kind of do with Giannis in just terms of playmaking. And, like, you can copy that, or I've asked J.B. Vickerstaff a few times, like, hey, this is a copycat league. You look at how Denver utilizes Nikola Jokic. And I'm not saying, hey, Evan Mobley needs to be 100% of what Nikola Jokic is. Like, he's such, Jokic is such a rare player in and of itself. But if you could get, like, 50 to 60 to 65% of what Jokic is as a playmaker, that does so much for you offensively, and it changes the the course of what you need to do as well. Like you have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland playing off ball with Mobley acting as the offensive hub. You could maybe like just with what you have right now, like you run like Jetty Osmond out there too. And then you add Danny Green in that mix as well. Like you can just put shooting around and like you just have what you currently construct, but there's ways to do it. And I just agree. Like tightening up the handle is good because you see Mobley being encouraged to bring the ball up and transition after grabbing the defensive rebound mm. or there's times he's acting as the offensive hub just at the top of the at the top of the key like there's a good play um last night actually against the uh Pistons where I believe it was either Isaac Okoro or Donovan Mitchell that was cutting and Mobley was just standing there and the defense kind of collapsed on him because you have to respect Evan Mobley out there and one of his teammates got a really clean look at the at the basket and I think that's exactly what you want of just vertically breaking down the defense and you see it with that you see it with the big big passing that him and Jared Allen are trying to kind of get going and now I'm just like hey if he tightens up that handle a little bit maybe you use him as a pick and roll ball handle just like the overabundance of bigs Cleveland has on the roster like there's a lot of fun creative things you can do and since the NBA is just such a copycat league I'm sure the Cavs are taking notes on all this because like golly I remember I asked J.D. Bickerstaff during the bubble like hey do you think playmaking big men's the future and he's like oh yeah absolutely especially with how our roster is constructed and it's going to be interesting to watch but yeah the three-point shot as well I think that does have some merit and I think if he's able to keep defenses honest at least when he's out there that he doesn't need to be like a Chris Bosch in Miami situation but uniquely himself for the fact that he's just so lethal from everywhere on the floor and you just see, like, the tangible impact he has outside of the counting stats the other day. And I think you're already seeing that with Evan Mobley, but just you're hoping to see more of that growth and development as he exits year two and heads into year three. I'm curious, because after that Celtics game, Donovan Mitchell kind of just ended up taking over and trying to do it all. And it, after after uh, Darius Garland really was having a really good start to that game, and then he just didn't touch the ball for almost the entire third quarter, it felt like. Is that more of a concern that those two can't play together or more just of a concern that at this current juncture, I think maybe JB just doesn't know who else to trust in a, in a moment where you're playing a good team and you need somebody to sort of drag you back out of it. So it just kind of defaults to Donovan Mitchell. That's an interesting question. I, I think they're very comfortable with each other. I, I'm, I would go as far to say that Mitchell and Garland are very comfortable with one another. I think it's a pleasant development that those two got that familiarity going so quickly, especially considering Garland missed a pretty decent amount of time to start the season. Yeah. But 
I don't think it's that's the issue. I just think, I think one, Darius is more than comfortable with just saying, okay, Donovan's got it going. Just let him cook. And he saw a lot of that in the third quarter, especially against Boston, where they're, they're scrapping and everything. And that's the only offensive production you're going to get. And to your point, I think G.D. Bickerstaff is also a guy who, when he sees something that's working, he's not going to shy away from it. Like, he's not going to, like, stick to his minutes and rotations internally. Like, he does believe in the hot hand at the end of the day. And Mitchell clearly has an engine and motor that just runs very, very hot. And Baker staff's very comfortable saying, okay, Donovan, just go out there and keep doing what we're doing. We'll get you, try and get you clean looks at the basket through the pick and roll or anything in between. But it's a fair question just because that's also, you see Mitchell kind of tweaking his groin a little bit or last night against the Pistons, he sprayed his finger, but it was taped up on the sideline. And thankfully the Cavs were blowing out the Pistons by the time Mitchell came back, they didn't need him to come back in, but it's it's just a, it's a de, it's a delicate tightrope walk because you're trying to win games and obviously the answer to win games is say all right get the ball to Donovan and let him do what he needs to do to get us back in this but at the same time you don't want to be overly reliant on him either so you don't see him getting banged up and hurt like this yeah. because you're really going to need him when the postseason rolls along because we're about a month until the NBA regular season's over at this point there's 15 games left in Cleveland's regular season so. You want Donovan Mitchell standing up straight for when you get to the first round, so you can just circle back to the beginning of our conversation, Spencer, get out of the first round and get into the second round, maybe the conference finals. So it's it's a tightrope walk. I think there is the trust factor there. I think JV trusts his guys at all. I think he just understands the reality of the situation. Like, hey, we have a guy who runs consistently hot offensively. Just give him the ball and let him do his thing. Evan, real quick to get you out of here, just like take 10 seconds. Give me which team is the biggest threat to the Cavs in the first round. Like what team do you think they do not want to have to face in that opening round of the playoffs? Uh, Either the Miami Heat or the Toronto Raptors, just because Mm. Toronto has the guys just to make Mitchell and Garland uncomfortable. Like they just have a bunch of six, eight dudes that can defend and shoot. And that seems to kind of be the foil of how Cleveland functions and even if they beat blew out the Raptors the other day I think the Jakob Pertle edition is really good and yeah. on the Miami side of things Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league for a reason he can tactically plan ways to make Cleveland uncomfortable you have Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry to defend the perimeter you have Bam Adebayo down low I know Kevin Love was a traffic cone on defense in Cleveland but they play <laughs> a lot of zone to make him function a lot more so I don't know I just think that the experience yeah. Miami possesses on their roster is just a tough draw for a team that's very green in Cleveland and would really just be like an ugly muck it up playoff series and I think the Knicks would be fun just from just like a pure basketball oh, yeah. standpoint I think that would go for a lot and I think that's probably going to be on the who Cleveland plays in the first round at this point but if I'm the Cavs, if like Toronto is ascending or Miami climbs back into it, you're sweating a little bit because you're like, I, I want to get out of the first round. I don't <laughs> want to have to make it a struggle to get out of it. He's Evan Damarell, one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. Also does a great job with the Write Down Euclid newsletter. Evan, appreciate you, man. You can follow him on Twitter at AmNotEvan. Always appreciate the conversation, my man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Anytime. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.